welcome. Let's pray together, please. Heavenly Father, again, I thank you that your word is living and active, that it is sharp, it heals, it convicts. It makes us wise unto salvation, wise in following you. And so, Lord, do your will right now as you teach us your word. Through Christ I pray. Amen. Um, Luke chapter 13, the first few verses, is a fun little passage. It's one of those head-scratching passages that the longer you scratch your head, you finally come and you go, huh, that's good stuff. In fact, if you understand, as we understand it, it actually frames the way that we read New Testament and Old Testament. Jesus teaches here. I'm reading from the New International Translation, like one of the older ones. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Now, people here come to Jesus because they're confused. There is this event, apparently, where Pilate slaughtered some Galileans, and to make matters worse, he just didn't slaughter them. He then took their blood and mixed it with the blood of the religious sacrifices just to make the whole thing profane in just this blasphemous way. It was this ugly thing. And the group comes to Jesus And they're basically asking a series of questions, the kind of questions we would ask. Why did God let this happen? I mean, is it because these people were bad people that these things happened? If they were good people, why did these things happen? What kind of good God lets bad things happen to good people like this? Now, Jesus knew their questions, but it's kind of interesting. He didn't answer their questions directly. Instead, he answered the question that they really needed to understand. The lesson really to be taken from this tragedy, verse 3, Jesus answered, Do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? Do you think these bad things happened to them because they were bad people, Jesus says? I tell you no, but unless you repent... You too will all perish. They didn't see that one coming. Jesus, we just came to ask kind of a theological question about how could God let this thing happen and and what should we think about it? And you're saying it's about our repentance? He goes on. He warms to the theme. Or the 18 who died in the Tower of Siloam when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. Unless you repent, you too will all perish. Isn't that great? Jesus doesn't get into the theological discussion about, you know, I think it's called theodicy. Why do bad things happen to good people? How do you reason about a a good God who can let those bad things happen? Instead, he says, y'all asking the wrong question. The question isn't, why did this happen to them? He says, the real question is, why hasn't it happened to you? Because unless you repent, you're going to perish. Two, fascinating. Jesus said, do you think these people are worse than you are? No. The real question is, why were you spared? Why haven't you been crushed by a tower yet? How would you like to have Jesus respond that way to your question? By the way, this is my response to people when they ask me about the Old Testament. A lot of people get confounded. They say, you know, I just have a hard time reading the Old Testament because in the Old Testament... God's such a wrathful God. 
you know, and he commands the, these wars. He commands capital punishment. He commands for the wiping out of entire nations. And I just have a hard time believing in a God who can do those things. <laughs> How can God let those kinds of things happen to innocent people? The answer is given to us in Luke chapter 13. Jesus says, when you read those passages in the Old Testament where God wipes out entire groups of people, the real question is not why did that happen to them? The real question is why hasn't it happened to you? <laughs> it's like, whoa. You know, because why? Because there's a part of us that assumes, well, I don't deserve to be punished by like that. I deserve more life. I deserve better life. I'm entitled to it. But God wipes out those people in the Old Testament because the reality is all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. Nobody is entitled to one more day of life than they've experienced. If we all got what we deserved, because that's the implication, I deserve better than this. Those people deserve better than that. They didn't deserve to be wiped out by Pilate. They didn't deserve to be wiped out by the, by the tower falling on them. Oh, no, 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 no. Actually, yes, they do. Because what we all deserve, because we've sinned, justice demands death. That's what we deserve. The issue is not, why do those people get cut down, Jesus asked. The issue is, those people already got what they deserved. Why haven't I? The truth is, if you have one more day, you're getting so much better than you deserve. The lesson that we should gather from the Old Testament punishments and from people who suffer in this life is not why is God so unfair or why do bad things happen to good people, but Jesus says the real question is what does it mean for you to repent, for you to be sobered by seeing people getting what they've actually deserved in life while you have gotten more time. Well, you have gotten, received more grace. That's why Jesus goes on to tell the next story. We pick up in verse six. Then Jesus told them this parable. A man had a fig tree in his vineyard and he went and to look for fruit on it, but he didn't find any. He owns the vineyard. He owns the fig tree. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I have been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any, cut it down. That's what it deserved. Why should it use up any more soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. This is one of the few stories that Jesus tells that there's a sense in which God is both people in the story. God is the owner, owner of the vineyard. He is the, he is the judge. Jesus is the judge to come at the end of all times. And when he declares judgment on that fig tree, it is a just penalty. But God is also the one who speaks for our mercy. He is the one who nurtures us, who wants to give us more time. And so when we get, are given more time, 
The challenge is, what does it mean for us to bear fruit of repentance? That's the point that Jesus makes in this whole passage. When you see suffering in this world, the real question is, what does it mean for you to and I to repent, for you and me to repent and to bear the fruit of repentance? C.S. Lewis once said, suffering is God's megaphone to a deaf world. And Jesus said, when we see sufferings, don't complain about the injustice. God is calling you to change your ways, to produce fruit consistent with repentance. What a great perspective. When people see suffering, when you see suffering, how will you respond? Will you complain? Will you question God's integrity and care? Or first, will you realize I am not entitled to one more day of life? I deserve death. I've sinned. I deserve death. That's justice. If I receive anything other than that, it's grace. Second, then, I need to repent. When you see the sufferings in this world, the sufferings of others, just ask yourself, what is God calling me to do? How is God calling me to repent through this, to draw closer to him? Because I'm seeing the reality of what I really deserve. Like the fig tree, God is giving you more time to bear fruit, and that's a gift. And God wants to nurture you, and he will, so that you will bear much fruit. That's grace by which we are saved. Heavenly Father, uh, I, I pray that you would clarify perspective. We do live in entitled times when we look at um, when we look at bad things happening to people or people dying early or whatever that when we think that somehow they were entitled to more life than they got or that somehow we are entitled to more than we have. Lord, I thank you that it's by grace that we live, by grace that we're saved, that you've been so gracious to us that you haven't annihilated us long ago. So in the time that we have to live right now, Lord, what's it mean for us to turn our eyes to Jesus, to repent and walk fully with you? Through Christ we pray. Amen. Hope to see you next time.